Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Cara and Alessandra. Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. Today we are happy to welcome Michael Massey to the podcast. He has an interesting life story to share with us. Um, he's born in Brazil of missionary parents, raised in a Christian church, and then he moved to California where he got a degree in engineering and he worked in Mongolia and the Democratic Republic of Congo with the software system. Is that right, Michael? Uh, wireless, wireless communications. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but then you left the tech world and went through two years of shamanic initiation. And then after that, you traveled for seven years as a wandering wizard, which I don't know what it is. We'll explore that soon. <laughs> and right now, we have you settled in Sedona. And this is where you and Carmet. met. So I, I barely know anything about you. But from what I heard from Cara, I'm really excited to hear about your journey. Yes, and so I am... Cara, can you feel Absolutely, us in? and I'm so excited to, um, to dive deeper with Michael as well. So we crossed paths because my family and I went to Arizona for fall break a few weeks ago. And um, I knew enough about Arizona and particularly the Sedona area to know that it was kind of a spiritual mecca. <laughs> but I, that was all I knew was it was kind of a destination. There, it was a very spiritual place. I didn't know why. I didn't know how. But I knew that if I got there, I would figure something out. And um, so I did a tiny bit of research and booked the family in on a um, spiritual vortex tour. And this was where I met Michael. And um, it was really amazing. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know what a spiritual vortex was. I mean, I, I really knew nothing. And I I don't know what my expectations were were reasonable. But I kind of thought, well, let's just see where this goes. And and what I found was this very deep soul guiding this tour. And um, just, it was so expansive. It was such a beautiful experience. And um, the little bits of information I was able to glean from Michael about his past just were like these little breadcrumbs that I was like, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. And um, so it's like, oh, will you please come on the podcast and just talk about your journey? And I don't even know if we're going to be able to scratch the surface because it was kind of like every time a topic would come up, he would like just go so, so deeply with so few words. <laughs> but it was like, I knew that there was just so much more that if we could have just had like a cup of tea and, um, you know, we could have drilled down into any given subject for a long time. So with that said, let me stop talking because I don't have interesting things to say. Let's turn it over <laughs> to Michael. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, why don't you just start with your journey because I know as Alessandra led us through you've kind of had some 
winding paths that have gotten you to where you are and a lot of learning and a lot of transformation. So just tell us, tell us about that. Okay. okay. Well, thank you, Kara. Thank you, Alessandra, for having me here on, uh, on your podcast and uh, greetings to all those listeners out there. Um, uh, we hope that uh, uh, we don't waste anybody's time here today. Oh, don't worry about that. You're <laughs> okay. This is going to be great. So it's kind of it's an honor to be asked to actually share uh, uh, my own life path and where it's kind of taken me um, <laughs> through a mini adventure along the way. Um, as Alessandra mentioned, I have a background in engineering and um, technology. Uh, got my degree in that. Was a actually went into the Navy as a nuclear engineer. Um, I got an early exit out of the Navy uh, due to a uh, blew out my knee and and unfortunately um, I was un- unable to c- climb ladders anymore. So uh, yeah, which is makes you pretty much useless in the Navy. So um, so I got an early exit out of the out of the Navy and um, this was in the late 90s and the uh, internet boom was happening and so I went into uh, satellite uh, communication systems and uh, ended up uh, bringing the country of Mongolia online to the internet in the 90s um, and then uh, then I went over to the Congo and I uh, redesigned the banking system uh, there in the Democratic Republic of Congo those were two of my notable international projects um, over the course of my career there in technology I Ended up doing business on five different continents, maybe about three dozen countries or so. Mm. Um, eventually, I came back from the Congo. I started my own software business in Los Angeles, uh, designing artificial intelligence systems to govern network infrastructure. Um, I ran that for about five or six years, had about 20 employees. Um, and then in 2008, everything came crashing down. Uh, capital markets dried up with the big uh, financial uh, collapse and uh, kind of wiped me out in more ways than one. Uh, I was living a kind of a high octane, you know, burning the candle at both ends existence there in Los Angeles. And um, uh, yeah, my health had been, it was really adversely affected. So I developed a case of a psoriatic, psoriatic arthritis. Uh, that had per- permeated my whole body. Uh, it got to the point where uh, uh, my fingers were, you know, uh, were three, four times the normal size. Uh, oh. I couldn't zip up my own pants. I couldn't uh, turn a key in the door. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I was all through uh, on my back, my uh, joints, uh, my toes, my feet. Uh, it was just, it was a struggle every morning just to make it to the bathroom and back. At that time, uh, uh, things needed to change. Um, so I shut down my business there in Los Angeles, and I retreated back to Bloomington, Indiana, where my parents live, and I rented a little house there, and that's where my kind of my transformation began mm. to unfold. Mm. So that's kind of the the background of what brought me to the, you know, and it's it's uh, I'm certainly not alone in. Uh, how a crisis uh, can bring us to a transformation. Right. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all know about that. Yeah. Uh, it can happen any other way, you know. Otherwise, we'll just continue with the status quo. Yeah. Uh, so this was my uh, my crises. And so I rented a little house there in Bloomington, Indiana, and I connected with uh, an old friend from high school, and uh, and he was really a, the a catalyst that started um, a process and it began with him taking me out to the lake and um, uh, outside of Bloomington it's called Lake Monroe it's the largest lake in Indiana and uh, I remember it was the first aid meteor shower in August 2009 where it all kind of began and as we went out to lake the meteor shower was uh, was 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 spectacular and uh, I'd never seen anything like this before um, uh, counted 115 meteors in three hours. Many of them were like big, huge flaming fireballs leaving smoke trails in the sky. It was exquisite, and uh, I was just completely just mesmerized uh, at this this awe of uh, experiencing in, in nature. And I'm lying out on this dock, and I close my eyes, and... Now I'd I'd had some uh, some prior experience with uh, meditation in my life, uh, with varying different results. Uh, but as I closed my eyes, I just saw this inky blackness of when I with my eyes shut, and then out of that, I just saw one little pixel of light, and this one little pixel of light just dropped right into me, and it hit me right in the high heart, and Boom, and just lit me up. And I knew immediately what it was. Um, I knew it to be uh, one little drop of unconditional love. Wow. In that moment, I knew that, uh, uh, that this was what I was looking for my whole life, even though I didn't know I was looking for it. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and and I don't want to stop your flow, but while we're on this topic of where you were in time and space, this is another thing that was so funny when we met because, you know, you've got travelers from all over the world coming to Sedona, coming on your tours. So where are you guys from? You know, we were one of two families on that trip. Oh, we're from the Indianapolis area. And you had you know, lived in Bloomington. That's where I went to college. You're talking about Lake Monroe. My dad had a, a condo on Lake Monroe for many years. So I also was on Lake Monroe at this time because I don't know if I was there for the meteor shower. I don't remember that. But for about, you know, several summers, maybe eight summers, we would go every month um, and spend a weekend on Lake Monroe. And so we would look out over that beautiful reservoir, look at the night sky. We would get our Skywalk app out and put it up against the sky so we could figure out which constellations we were looking at. And um, so I just, I, I couldn't resist just sharing that. So please carry on. <laughs> it's a beautiful connection that we have yes. there. Um, uh, yes, that was, uh, that, that night was, um, that was a night that really changed, changed the whole course of events for me. Um, 
And I remember coming home uh, after that experience. And I opened up my journal. And I wrote the following words. I said, Dear God, whatever it takes for me to feel that way all of the time I'm in, so be it. Now, the funny thing is, if I could have known then what that request would have initiated, I don't, I might, I might have second guessed it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing when we, when we go within and we ask for things, it's like, well, it might not lead us where we want to. <laughs> Because it wasn't, it wasn't just all puppy dogs and ice cream. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, you want to feel that all the time. Well, I'll get ready to purge everything that doesn't feel that way. And, uh, um, and so that's what unfolded over the next probably 18 months was, uh, about what it was. And, um, uh, after that experience, I was kind of just, I was hooked on meditation. And so it was, you know, I woke up in the morning, ate breakfast, um, and then laid right back down and went into meditation. And I would just go in and out, um, all day until, uh, nighttime arrived and I grabbed my buddy and we'd go out to the lake. And then we'd go out there, we'd build a fire, we'd meditate out there. Um, and uh, then come home, sleep, do it all again. So it was meditation of anywhere between, you know, 8 to 16 hours a day and then sleeping the rest. Um, and so I did that for about 18 months. And that was my whole life. There was nothing else. And there was a few things that were, would happen is that, um, I noticed that, uh, is, is the peak experiences that I had along the way. Um, there are moments of like, you know, incredible clarity, um, and, uh, such beauty, such bliss, such knowingness. And then, um, I was almost afraid to go to sleep afterwards because I didn't want to forget. And so what I did is I kept a, I kept a running notebook um, of a top 10 list. And what I did is I had jotted down each of these, the top 10 um, spiritual experiences that I'd have. I, I'd write, write down those experiences were enough for me to remember it. And then when I wake up in the morning, along with my breakfast, I'd review that list. And I wouldn't proceed with my on with it. I wouldn't proceed on my day until I could remember every single one of those experiences. And so anybody on a who's on the path or whatnot, I can't encourage you enough to make a practice of that of journaling dreams and journaling your experiences. Cause it's, a, it's, a, it's really amazing that, um, how we can end up frequency shifting 
And there's this thing called like a state dependent memory. And when we're in a heightened blissful state, then we're going to actually remember our other blissful states. But when we're not and the mundane in life actually can bring us down, it's very easy, unfortunately, to forget who we are and what we're a part of. Mm. And so, and so it's a great conscious effort. Um, and so that's what I did. And I had, and, and I was, was so focused on that and determined to reprogram my own brain such that it could maintain and hold those memories. And I wouldn't forget that my, uh, my practice. Yeah. And, Actually, we are doing something similar in, in the community where me and Kara are connected. Someone started a thread where, but we are sharing memories with each other where we had this connection. And that is also very powerful because some of those memories are maybe something we want to keep a little bit more private, but it's it also has power to share with others because I feel like I can tune into Kara's story and other friends' stories and so we help each other to expand in that. Beautiful. Yeah. The um, the support that we can be for each other is 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 so valuable. And it's it's a rough gig to go it alone. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes. Um, and because it it certainly flirts with the crazy, right? <laughs> um <sighs> where we just need somebody else to go you're not crazy you know yeah (laughs) and um the value of that and the service that we provide for each other is a beautiful thing we're all in this together Mm -hmm. we're all in this together (sighs) you were talking about when you said it's not all puppies and ice cream do you want to share a little bit more about that um uh, yeah, so um, I had a uh, – uh, um, so my initiation processes were um, um, were kind of under the tutelage of this shaman that was a, this friend of mine from back in high school, and he'd already been through um, a series of awakenings. Incidentally, uh, he was – he had dabbled quite a bit in um, dark realms. And so he felt um, uh, compelled to send me through the same initiations that he'd been through, which meant um, uh, crawling through hell worlds um, and amongst other things. So I learned a lot about, um, let's say, the dark side of things uh, during my initiation. And what, um, what it ended up doing was... Uh, training me to be able to go places where most can't. Um, what I had is I was put into very, very terrifying situations. And I knew that there was only one thing that I can trust. And that was the spark within. And so I kept returning to that, returning to that, returning to that. And despite no matter what it would be presenting itself, in um in my sphere of awareness is that i never lost that connection to that spark and so the whole thing served to train me to be able to maintain that full-time access and so it did it through um let's say uh, uh very 
gnarly uh, and terrifying stimuli is what ended up being the catalyst that enabled me to feel this connection all the time. And so... Uh, so you... It's the way that it rolls. You enter the light via the dark. Yeah. 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 Um, to... It's like, uh, yeah, to hold a candle in the dark and not let it go out, you know. Mm. Uh, and so that's what, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how um, my initiations went. And so they were, you know, incredibly difficult, but it was the, every time I checked in in my own time, um, and I connected, uh, to, to the divine and I connected with God and I built and fostered that relationship above all else. Um, I always got the message that this is the shortest way to get, it's the shortest, fastest way to get where I want to be. I think this is the same path of St. Augustine. Are you familiar with St. Augustine? Um, I can't remember which century, maybe it, I feel like the middle ages. Um, no, not St. Augustine. Um, the Jesuits, um, oh, sorry. I can't remember now which saint that was. Francis. No, not St. Francis. Um, but he he created these exercises and meditations, and they and it always began with the darkness and kind of work that you had to do. It's so similar to what you're saying, but it's reflected in a totally different lineage, which is not surprising. But um, but also, you know, that's got a, a Catholic connection and not shamanistic, so. The saint will come to me at some um, point, and it won't. Yeah, but I can't remember now. Oh, Ignatius. Sorry, it was Ignatius. Ignatius. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jot that down and take a look at at, at, his, at his story. Um, so I'm kind of a bit of a uh, glutton for punishment, you might say. <laughs> uh, but what I what I wanted to do is achieve is that any time that I encountered something that I was afraid of, rather than uh, steering away from it, I went straight into it because I was determined to shed uh, my fear of everything and all the way through the stack. Uh, and this included isolation out in the woods at night uh, by myself, which you know it's funny thing is when you when when, when you do something like that. Um, it's amazing, like all the stuff that come pops up of like, oh, I'm going to get eaten by a bear or this is all primal fears that are just kind of built into us as humans. Um, uh, the, 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 the fear of some, you know, bad man killer in the woods kind of, these are all little, these like archetypes and stories and stuff that are stored in the subconscious. Oh, I mean, just and you so, saying going in the woods at night and sleeping by yourself immediately, those are the things that come to mind for me. <laughs> I don't even have to be out there. <laughs> yeah. And so I, 
I just kept doing it and kept doing it until I was no longer afraid and uh, had shed those fears. Um, and in that was a deepening connection to all of the life that I was experiencing in the world of nature and knowing that, you know, um, the mountain line is not, you know, is, is to see a mountain line, for instance, is, um, is to witness, uh, something of, of great beauty and the, the connection that we have, it's not like it's going to come eat me when I'm there loving it and appreciating it. So speaking of St. Francis, you were, you embodied St. Francis. <laughs> um, and about six months into this process, then something of, of serious significance occurred. Um, I was going through uh, the uh, Kundalini awakening um, and feeling that spiral energy, you know, uh, moving up the spine that had already initiated. Uh, it was about nine o'clock one night and um, along about February now, 2010. And I walked outside. Um, um, I walked outside my little house I was running there and I felt this surge energy coming up and and then it hit me right in the heart and a big blue light flashed out of me and it blew all the transformers and took out 10,000 homes of power. You're kidding. Um, and could you see um, with your physical eyes the blue light? I could see it with my physical eyes, the blue light. And the, uh, there's an article in the paper the next day about a mysterious power outage on the west side of Washington. And the, the next six months was, was crazy because I kept blowing starters and alternators in my car and lights would flicker. And I couldn't use technology. It just, you know, it was just scramble and, uh, and I was beginning to at that uh, beginning to as whether I was ready for it or not, I was beginning to understand that there is a real world power associated with us, that we're, we are powerful individuals, mm-hmm. um, and that this power that resides in us can, is, has an effect on this physical world, that it's not just a spiritual journey. This is about an awakening to, um, an actual power. And there have been those that have walked this earth before who have demonstrated it as well. And, and they even, uh, prophesied that, uh, uh, that there'll be others to come and that, that we would all have these abilities also, um, even greater things, uh, shall we do. And, and, uh, so that was, um, that was an interesting period of time. Because at that point, then I'm like, okay, well, if I wasn't already in, I'm in now because I can't go back to. I always didn't want to get on a plane. Obviously, I'm like, oh I'm my crash the thing. Yeah. Um, and you can't um, go back in your journal the- and scribble out what you wrote <laughs> the time before. <laughs> You're all in now. <laughs> yep. And. Um, so I had to um, then learn how to 
manage that energy system and uh, bring it under, I say control is a, it's not my favorite word, but I'm not sure what else to, um, to call it. And so the next six months was just all about that. And, um, it was of course many, um, uh, strange experiences along the way there. Um, and trying to deal with this, this, these energy surges and what they would do to the environment around me. Wow. And so, and is this when you ended up at the Tibetan Mongolian, um, Buddhist cultural center? No, that was, um, that would have been, that would have been later. So, um, so after this incident with the whole blue light, I spent about another 12 months there in Bloomington. And then, uh, then tell it was time for me to go. And, and particularly, sorry, Michael, did you have a teacher guiding you at that time after, I mean, did you have some support of somebody who had experience with that? Only the, uh, only the, uh, the aforementioned kind of dark master. Okay. You your friend from high school. Yeah. So that was really my only connection. And we reached a point where he had, uh, he had a gift. He had a gift to give me, which was to help me get through. And meantime, while all this is happening, my, my finger started to, to come back to normal shape. I was gaining strength in my limbs. All of this was happening in my, in my own healing process. Um, so my mobility increased, my, uh, vitality was increasing all of this as my body began to heal and reverse that, um, those arthritic conditions. And, um, so, you know, I am, you know, eternally grateful for the role that he played to help facilitate this transition for me. And, um, and then when it came down to in 2010, uh, winter solstice, I went out with him to the lake and then there was a gift that I was to give to him in return, uh, which was to help him, uh, open that high heart for himself. And, um, once that, that was given that moment, it was a beautiful moment. And it was, I watched his face just all of a sudden go from the serious, intense persona that he always carried all of a sudden it just melted and it's like this little child came out and he and uh and as his high heart is opening and he just looked at me and he said mike this is the best moment of my whole life oh beautiful oh, that's beautiful and at that point i know we were we were we were done that was the that was the exchange that needed to be made you know and so uh things began uh, shaping up then for me to, to go on, uh, and walk to the next stage of my journey, which was, um, to walk, um, walk alone, if you will. And so that was, that's what initiated there in 2011, um, that, uh, I left Bloomington and embarked on this seven year mission. Okay. And this is the wandering wizard period. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about that. I wasn't sure. I knew I couldn't go back into, of course, at this stage, I couldn't go back into the big city. I couldn't go back into the technology industry. I wasn't sure what to do. 
but I packed up my little bag of crystals and whatnot and and I took off and I began traveling around the country looking in a sense for um, a new place to call home and um, so my travels took me a very variety of different places and um, I wound up down in Arkansas um, uh, for uh, the 11 11 11 um, gateway and with the um, a group called the Earth Keepers. I ended up spending um, that winter in the Ozarks, uh, and uh, which is a pretty magical, amazing place. Uh, and then, uh, then that's when I rolled back up to I rolled up to uh, to Bloomington and spent a month up there at the uh, um, at the Tibetan Buddhist Center there, and. Uh, and then I knew at that point that I knew exactly where I wanted, I needed to go. And that's when it had to come to Sedona. So in 2012, I, I came to Sedona and I spent the year working here on a variety of different projects of, um, 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 let's say cleaning up some of the grid work and then working with all the vortexes here. And so yeah. that was kind of my my duty for someone uh, like me who doesn't know much about Sedona. Can you just describe and Cara introduced us a little bit, but what is special about Sedona? Sedona is, um, uh, nestled here in kind of Northern Arizona. It's what we call red rock country. Um, so it's surrounded by these beautiful red rock formations. Um, uh, similar to uh, to the Grand Canyon, if you will, except we get to live in it. Um, and these red rock formations are uh, uh, the rocks are red here, based on um, a high degree of iron content. So we're actually surrounded by a combination of iron, quartz, and water. And these things come together and actually uh, as um, uh, as part of a this vortex. Um, where we actually have this, this Sedona is one of the spots on the planet where the magnetic field at the core of the Earth uh, it penetrates out through the crust, and um, so you get these spiraling magnetic fields. And what happened when I first rolled into Sedona is that I found it stabilized my energy system and it made it so much easier, mm -hmm. um, you know, because of the, the the whole electro thing. And so I, when I first rolled into Sedona here, I just, you know, with, I just broke down into tears and I could just feel all of a sudden my, my whole energy system just, just was like, oh, I could fractal out and extend myself very easily here so I wouldn't be overloaded. And uh, so this is like a, it's a very amazing and special place here. Uh, for those who are able to, uh, through meditation are able to uh, extend their consciousness into this sphere. And so the, the spherical awareness or spherical consciousness is the knowingness that the, that our sense of identity is not built into our body. It's in this sphere that we might call our soul or whatever you want to call it. It is the consciousness that actually is holding our physical body. So it's this sphere that we are 
that is kind of piloting this body around. It's driving this just to, like we would might drive a vehicle. And so in that awareness, that spherical awareness, being here in Sedona, it's very easy to travel right down through the vortex and merge oneself with the planet. And that's the power of this place. And so you can basically ride the wave um, down right into the planet core. And it's an exquisite experience, and it makes it easier to attain um, that planetary awareness um, that we're seeking in, um, you know, in our conscious meditations. So a lot of people who come to Sedona, they might find that uh, what might take them 20, 30 minutes to achieve normally in a meditation only takes three or four minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's a great accelerator uh, being here. Uh, and consequently and subsequently, it, it provides, it, it, it draws. We call it the, the call of Sedona. Is, uh, many people are just drawn to come here. They may not know why. Um, but it's, it's calling here in order to, uh, have an exchange and an experience here. And so then there are also certain spots within, um, Sedona, which, and outside as well, you know, just outside as well, but where the energy is more perceptible and it's stronger and you can even see trees which have grown in a spiral pattern. So you... You just look, I mean, you can see it just as a layperson. It doesn't have to be pointed out to you because I noticed one north of Flagstaff before I had met you and you had explained, you know, that it's that representation of the spiral of energy. But I had seen one on this uh, in the volcan Sunset Volcano Park, I think it was yeah. called. Yep. And that's far, that's pretty far from Sedona. But I was like, look at that tree. And it was like it had grown. The bark just spiraled up in the way that it, it grew. And then we saw a lot of those also on the tour with you. But then yes. you can also energetically feel. So Michael had taken us to different spots. And um, we had done things as a group or individually where we were putting our, you know, our hands and our arms maybe in different shapes or whatever to to get our bodies aligned with the energy and, um, and then you could feel the effect and the energy and the wind. And, um, it was very profound. Yeah. Yeah. That wind thing is pretty neat, isn't it? It is. Uh, so this is one of the things that I take people through in their kind of vortex experiences here and, and help them connect to the wind and realize that, that, um, that the, our own fields that we uh, emanate um, out of our hearts, out of our bodies, um, are interacting with our physical environment. And that um, walk outside, wave your hands, and you can actually change the course of the wind. Um, this, is a, this is a very, very, it's a cool thing. And it's something that, that I learned particularly during that six-month period after the blue light experience is I started noticing profound found interactivity with the wind so the wind became my ultimately my teacher uh, and my guide so i listened to the wind and so um and i knew that whenever i could bring and focus everything into the center that center place the wind would always respond so i knew that um it wasn't just about me 
Um, but it's also about this planet. So, um, so I would meditate on the truth of what had been revealed to me in various different meditations or dreams or visions until, and I would wait until the wind actually completely agreed. And then I would know, um, the truth, ultimate truth of it. So does this then tie in with the copper donut? <laughs> so when we were on the tour, you showed no. us connected to your phone, this interesting donut shaped device that had copper wire around it. And you could like put it up to your spiritual eye. You could put it on like any parts of your body that were uncomfortable and it changed the way that felt. Um, and you said that you also had built one that was like the size of the room and then you could stand in the middle of it. Um, is this a good time to talk about that? Because I found that really fascinating. Yes. Well, I guess there's benefits to having that engineering education. And, right. And ultimately, <laughs> I took all the knowledge that I had from that, um, uh, from those experiences, um, that training, that education, and the real world experience. And then uh, teamed up with a buddy uh, here in Sedona to uh, begin to build these devices that, in a sense, uh, replicated the vortex um, by shaping the electromagnetic field around us um, in a very active way. And it, it uses, um, we're using all um, uh, various different uh, sacred geometries or um, uh, um, what are known as platonic solids, uh, tetrahedrons and octahedrons, uh, dodecahedrons, icosahedrons, and cubes. So we use these geometries to actually create these devices uh, that uh, generate the magnetic fields. And some of the experiences we've had with them have been pretty profound, and particularly the one um, we built the uh, the room-sized one, which used six different, had six different um, field generators, um, and you could sit sit basically in the middle of what we call the six-axis stabilization, that would stabilize your own body's energetic system. And we found that uh, when people got in there, that it would immediately bring them to peace of mind. It would just still all their thoughts, and if some people that may be the first time they could remember since maybe their childhood and maybe even not then is experiencing peace of mind. And when all the chatter goes away and that is when we can then begin to truly hear in the silence, um, that which is whispering to us. Right. And, right. And, uh, it's a beautiful experience, but we also experienced some other, again, back to like these kind of real world powers is that when we first turned the device on, we had a television that was in the room and it was unplugged from the wall and it turned itself on. Oh, wow. So, uh, there's, uh, we still have a whole lot of work to do in terms of, of uh, playing with um, the fre various frequencies and harmonics and and um, uh, utilizing uh, what's called resonant frequencies. Uh, and so it's a kind of a work in progress 
to continue to evolve the technology. Because and it's a, is it emitting a um, a frequency or is it emitting like a sound that we're not able to perceive, and then the body is trying to um, reach that frequency. It can it it takes a sound input, and then generates a magnetic output. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so you had, the one that I saw was connected to your phone, so then you had a, a sound or a frequency going on your phone, and then and then that was transferring that to a... Right, and typically it might use like a 432 hertz um, signal, which is a heart chakra frequency, and so it's playing that um, uh, that frequency just generate a magnetic field based on that frequency. Okay. Now the coils themselves have a resonant frequency that's up in the ultrasound range up around up that's above the human hearing. So it's, and the phones, phones can't generate anything over 20,000 Hertz and needs to go up to about 28,000 Hertz to hit the natural frequency of, of the coil itself. And when that happens, then it begins to beat like a heart. Oh, wow. wow. It's a very, very cool thing, and that's the ideal frequency to work with. Uh, uh, but uh, we don't have handheld ultrasound generators yet, yet, yet. It's an interesting time we're in when, you know, the spirituality and science are kind of meeting. Absolutely, yes. Uh, very interesting times. And, um, you know, fast forward into the you know, some point in the future, you know, and it's going to be a whole lot like Star Trek in this, this place, you know, we'll have yeah. transport beams and food replicator and all of that. <laughs> so these, um, devices, like the smaller devices, do you have those available commercially? I know you said you're still, they, there are, there's work to be done on them. Uh, yes, yes, actually they're available through a, a website called iPyramids. iPyramids. iPyramids.net, uh, I believe. And, um, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of information on that site and um, a variety of different products that can be ordered from there. And the recommended use for that, would is it to, for clarity, for peace of mind, during meditation? You can call it a meditation aid. It also has, um, um, there's uh, cellular benefits to it. So it's also a healing aid as well. Mm. Okay. But you can also, uh, if you've got a green thumb, you can, you can set one of these things up and put seeds on, in it. And it creates, you know, you're basically talking about it, um, creating a sacred space with via science is, um, from an engineering perspective, you're creating a fractal field and in that fractal field, then that becomes, um, um, a way that you can, uh, structure water. Um, and you can, um, yes, uh, program, uh, seeds, uh, to grow. Uh, you can, uh, you know, it's really, uh, limited only by real creativity in what you want to do with the technology. 
So um, as you were talking about the seeds, I had a little um, flashback to when we met in Sedona. And we were talking about healing. Now, you are a shaman. And I don't know if there are things that you want to offer us. I mean, I, I find that that in and of itself very interesting. So if there's anything there for you to share. Um, but also, I understand that, that certain things are definitely sacred. But one of the things that um, has resonated with me since we met was you talking about uh, the elements in, in assistance with healing. So you talk about water structure. And of course, there's Dr. Emoto's water study where he studied the effect of intention and vibration on water. And that was observed at the microscopic level. So, um, you know, directing thoughts or words toward water, um, like love, beauty, um, and, you know, elevating words and thoughts, and then also doing the opposite, hate and ugly, and um, and then freezing the water, and then the cells of the positive uh, recipients were beautifully constructed crystals at the microscopic level, and the negative ones at the microscopic level were discolored and ugly, and they didn't have structure, and so... Um, but then you talked about from a healing perspective, using the elements and kind of tapping into, you know, a, a tree for instance. And, and, um, I don't know if you want to go, I'm just, I'm kind of just throwing things out there that I really enjoyed talking about when we met and, um, just offering whatever, whatever resonates with you to share as a thread. Uh, <laughs> the four elements are um, a critical part of, um, you know, um, just about every practice. Um, and what you bring up about Dr. Moto's work is, um, you know, it's particularly important considering that, you know, we're, our bodies are what, 75, 80% water, right? One of the things that I discovered as I was doing healing work and for anyone who's actually who's doing Reiki, doing energy work, doing uh, massage, doing any, any kind of um, hands-on healing work with others is um, that occasionally you, you encounter, um, well, it's always a spectrum of, of uh, the degree of openness that somebody is, has and receptivity to, uh, to being healed. And, um, and then uh, how much resistance they might have. And so one of the things that I, I discovered uh, earlier is I, is to, to leverage my own connection with the elements when I'm working with uh, another person. And so if they, uh, their consciousness might be in resistance to being healed, but I can connect with all the water in their body, and that water is not. And so in the same way that Dr. Moto. You're talking about putting love and beauty and all this, okay, into the water is to just do that same way, hands-on. And I just work with the body, and I work with all the water in the body. And um, this is a way that we can we can bless each other um, by creating this beautiful signature, if you will, um, or making an impression that's going to serve that person well 
wherever they're going. And so we always have an opportunity, whoever we're around, to actually affect at least 75, 80% of their body. And I like that. It's a little kind of a... A shortcut. It's a, it's a little shortcut, a little bit of a back door, a little wink, wink. Yeah. We got you. Yeah, right? And so I did a lot of... Um, uh, of uh, my healing in those years as a wandering wizard, it took me. Um, um, it took me to Hawaii. I spent a year there, um, and uh, did a lot of healing work there. Um, and uh, um, had some really, really amazing experiences um, there in Hawaii. Um, and eventually came back to the States. Uh, when I returned to Sedona, then, um, then I worked with a, uh, a nonverbal autistic, uh, and her mother and, um, uh, to help this nonverbal actually to get more into her body, uh, to begin to use the same kinds of things. So she learned, um, she began to learn like how to, how to control her energy fields to the extent where she could open and close the garage doors without having to touch them. Wow. Things like that. Um, to also develop an enhanced uh, communication protocol so that she can, and her mother could, um, uh, uh, could speak better and understand each other, wow. which is, you know, very rewarding. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, that's just like the, this, some of the experiences that, uh, um, uh, that I had, uh, in that, and, uh, it's, it's very difficult. We could, we could, uh, we could certainly, we could talk for hours here about, um, yeah, we could. All, the fun, <laughs> all the fun stuff that happened, uh, along the way. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, when it comes to, you know, magic and miracles, I, is the, the importance of stepping out in faith. Um, and uh, the, the, it's like the universe is just sitting here waiting for us to give it a chance. And the more that we try to pre-plan everything, we're really... We're really hampering and hindering the ability of the universe to totally surprise and delight us. Mm. Because we're following a pre-programmed regime. And if there's anything I could encourage anybody to do is, is you know, is like give God a chance. And restore the Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath is... is uh, uh, this came along uh, to me in 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 Hawaii. Was the is is what the Sabbath is really about. It's a day of no plans. Do not pre-plan anything that you're going to do on that day. You wake up that day. Let that day belong to God, to the universe. And you wake up and say, "What is in store for me today? It's not of my own plan, but of Thine." And then live that day and just go with the flow of wherever that day 
takes you, let the universe treat you. There we go. That's beautiful. Yes, thank you, Michael. I can see why Cara was so eager to bring you on the podcast. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to go very soon to choir, but I would love to sit here to continue for the rest of the night and sharing experiences. And I, I also like how you share different exercises or experiences that, for example, bring the list of good memories or what you just shared, because it, we need something, tools to keep up keep ourselves centered um, right. I just wanted to go back to what you mentioned about the water because that was really interesting and you already given the listeners and us things to take with us but because you said we can help each other you know even if there is resistance in someone to heal how can we help others because we, as you said we are all in this together so if we are having a friend or family member or co-worker that we have some difficulties with how can we be a channel and help them how do we work with the water in them from the inside out this is what i like to, at first the the shortest distance between any two points is through the center so the shortest distance for me to connect with you is to actually go through my center through my center is the center of all things. And so it's by coming into our own center that we become communitively coupled with all centers. And so it is this way from the inside out that we actually make, um, we're able to bridge that unbridgeable. And we connect to the center on ourselves. We can use that, um, that center as a gateway to go through the center of the planet and that expands our field in even bigger. And then as it, you know, there's no limit. We can go through the solar system. We can go through the whole galaxy. We can become these galactic huge beings. And from there, it becomes much easier to actually affect change. Um, it becomes much easier to actually build those bridges and um, then be patient. And wait for it to actually come out. And so we can we offer that from the inside. We're already connecting. We're marrying ourselves, if you will, um, to another on the inside. And then we're, we're patiently wait for it to show up as it comes out. And then it arcs between. And, and that's how we, uh, we can connect with each other. Um, yes, from the inside. From inside out. Inside out. Beautiful. Yeah. Good. Well, this has been so filling. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Welcome. Thank you, too. Um, uh, many blessings to you. Many blessings uh, um, to each of those who are listening. Um, and I like to... Uh, uh, maybe uh, share one little, like, simple little mantra, okay? Um, we can each of us say in our own practices, um, this life is what it is, and it can uh, it can get uh, hectic and harried from time to time, and it is um, important that we um, are able to return to self, and so it is simply to 
to say this, all that I am, return to me now. All that I am, return to me now. All that I am, return to me now. That which I am not, leave me now. May all return to its rightful place and owner. So be it, and so it is. I just heard that exact same thing when I was in Bloomington two weeks ago at the Tibetan Cultural Center, <laughs> where our paths intersected again. <laughs> I heard the exact same mantra for the first time. Oh, well, that's beautiful. So, yes. so much gratitude to you, Michael, yes. for being here. Yes. I hope this well, is you. just part one. And we yeah. will meet with you again. I would love that. Great. Good. Thank Looking you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I hope that all of you enjoyed that as much as Alessandra and I did. That was really powerful. Um, my heart is just lit up after that discussion. So let us know what you think. Go, um, go explore the meditationconversation.com. There's a contact um, button there. Drop us a line and tell us what you think and share with us what topics you'd like to explore. Um, you know, we are always hoping that you will um, help us expand by sharing this episode or any episode or the podcast in general, sharing it with somebody who you think would um, benefit from it or rating us, reviewing us, writing, um, writing a review or downloading, subscribing, all these ways are beautiful ways to help us grow and expand and um, it's such a joy to connect with you. So that's it for this episode. And um, hopefully it is just the first of many with Michael. Um, we thank you very much for tuning in. And we look forward to the next meditation conversation.